Hi, I'm Gianna Volpe, and thank you for listening to The Heart of the East End on 88.3 WLIWFM, the show where we get to the heart of any matter at hand with folks from all walks of life on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. We stream online at WLIW.org radio and welcome your comments, questions, and collaborations of all kinds on the heart of the East End. Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York on November 1st, 2022, I'm Gianna Volpe on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. A new New York City law that requires employers to include salary ranges and job postings is creating a cloud of uncertainty for Long Island companies that have workers or jobs in the five boroughs. Ken Schachter reports on Newsday.com that the law, which takes effect today, requires employers with four or more employees, including at least one who works in New York City, to post a minimum and maximum salary for available jobs, promotions, or transfer opportunities. Long Island labor law experts said that ambiguities in the regulations likely will be resolved through further interpretation by the New York City Commission on Human Rights, the agency charged with enforcing the measure and by potential court challenges. Quote, for those Long Island employers who have employees living in the five boroughs, they arguably have to comply with this law. That's Dominique Camacho Moran, a labor and employment lawyer at Uniondale-based Pharrell Fritz. Rick Ostrov, an employment lawyer at Carl Place-based Leeds Brown Law, said that questions are likely to arise about how to interpret what constitutes work in New York City. Quote, what about a business in Nassau County that sells products in New York City? He said, as with all laws, there will be court interpretations. A similar law requiring pay transparency by businesses across the state was approved by both houses of the New York State Ledge and is on the desk of Governor Kathy Hochul. A spokesperson said she is reviewing the legislation. If she signs it, it would take effect nine months later. The New York State law mirrors New York City in applying the regulation to companies with four or more employees. In other news, New Yorkers enrolled in a state program that helps Pay household heating bills will get more aid this year, even as rising energy costs will sap some of their buying power. Nicholas Spangler reports on New York, uh, Newsday.com that enrollment in the Home Energy Assistance Program, known as HEAP, opens today, according to a news release from Governor Hochul's office that encouraged people in need to apply. This year, the program, which is first come, first served, will provide up to $976 to low- and middle-income households and senior citizens. Benefits in the program increased this year 33% for households that heat with oil, kerosene, or propane, uh, 14% for households that heat with electricity or natural gas, and 21% for households that heat with wood, wood pellets, coal, or corn. But supply issues end The war in Ukraine are expected to drive up energy costs, experts say. Across the northeast United States, bills for those heating with oil have risen about 25 percent over the last year, 28 percent for those heating with natural gas, according to Mark Wolf, executive director of the uh, the National Energy Assistance Directors Association. The typical New York natural gas bill will hit $1,100 this year, up from $900 last year when 
Uh, the state received $387.3 million from the $4.8 billion national funding. HEAP benefits went to 95,086 households in Suffolk County, averaging $588 for the fiscal year of 2022. Sign-up information can be found at mybenefits.ny.gov. And applications for assistance are accepted through local organizations listed at otda.ny.gov. In Riverhead, uh, they're considering an 18-month moratorium on industrial development in Calverton, which supporters say will give the town time to finish updating its comprehensive plan for development and study potential projects in that hamlet. Riverhead Town Council uh, men Tim Hubbard stated his support for the moratorium at the town board's Thursday work session, adding that some of the upward of six pending projects planned for that hamlet may not be suitable there. Quote, the infrastructure for some of these structures is not there. The town roads are not equipped to handle the amount of truck traffic that some of these projects are going to demand, Hubbard said. The fumes, the pollution, there's so many different things that have to be looked at. Jean-Paul Salamanca reports on Newsday.com that in October of last year, the town adopted a 12-month moratorium on solar projects after Calverton residents said they were worried that too many solar applications had been proposed or enacted in recent years. Uh, Takwi Tarchun, uh, president of the Greater Calverton Civic Association, told Newsday yesterday that she supports a moratorium in Calverton and that the town should also consider requiring a cumulative impact study of all incoming projects for the hamlet. Riverhead Supervisor Yvette Aguiar told Newsday on Monday that while she wants to avoid overdevelopment in Calverton, she also fears a moratorium may trigger litigation against the town from projects that are far along and could be halted, specifically a proposed 412,000-square-foot industrial building by developer HK Ventures on Middle Country Road that is currently before the planning board. Quote, I'm concerned that we don't want to pay for litigation, pay for attorneys, and have to possibly pay for the costs that they are, uh, they incur, which could be upward of a million dollars, depending on how far along they are, like we are said. And finally, early voting has begun this weekend, and it will continue through this Sunday. Registered voters can go to any of the selected early voting sites in their county during the early voting period. You got all week, my friends, so take a moment if you have some time. It's different from casting ballots on Election Day, November 8th, when you have to go to your assigned polling site. Suffolk County has 27 early voting places, and between now and November 6th, you can stop by any one of them. Uh, go to elections.ny.gov to find out uh, where the polling site is nearest you or will be nearest you through your travels. Um, it can also be done at the Board of Elections in Suffolk County. Now, voters in the general election will cast ballots for governor, attorney general, comptroller, New York State and Assembly candidates, as well as for the U.S. House and Senate. Uh, a statewide referendum will ask if the state should borrow $4.2 billion for capital projects to address Global warming and other environmental and public health concerns. Don't forget to flip your ballot and vote on the referendums. Um, <clears throat> the polls are open from uh, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. today and tomorrow. So from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., you can vote today or tomorrow 
Thursday and Friday, they're from noon to 8, Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., so all day long. Again, you can vote to see if you're registered on the uh, Board of Elections portal, voterlookup.elections.ny.gov. It also shows all the early voting sites as well as the assigned polling place that you have to use if you wait until November 8th when polls are open from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Reading the weather here in Southampton in honor of sculptor Mel Kendrick, joining us to talk about the first major survey of his work opening next week at the Parish Art Museum for the Hot Studio segment, underwritten by Peconic Landing, looking like a 50% chance of showers mainly before 10 a.m. We've already gotten some rain, patchy fog before uh, the next hour as well. Otherwise, mostly cloudy today with a high near 65 degrees southwest wind around 7 miles per hour tonight. Partly cloudy with a low around 53 degrees. Calm wind becoming northwest around 6 miles per hour after midnight. Right now it's 59 degrees and I've got November songs for this November 1st. Uh, Butcher Boy, Caroline Manning, Piano, and Sir on deck before uh, Gorillas and Gil- Goldstein. But first, Simon and Garfunkel for Emily, wherever I may find her, which was recorded live in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, in November of 1969. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. your honey hand with my grateful tears oh I love you girl oh I 
Love me some Simon and Garfunkel. You're listening to WLIWFM. Falling back from November 1969. This track is called November 1947. Storm warning in effect. It's Butcher Boy, among Island's only NPR radio station.
track from Butcher Boy about a storm 70 years before it was recorded. I'm Gianna Volpe. Uh, this next track is Caroline Manning's I Walked These Streets in November. This Caroline. A single from 2019 here on Long Island's only I NPR radio station. WLIWFM. All right, we're getting Mel Kendrick all set up for our segment. <clears throat> we're going to hop ahead. This is piano all of November, most of October, from the When It's Dark and It's Summer record of 2001. Oh, I'm scared. 
Oh, that's much nicer. Stay on the line and stay tuned to 88.3, 96.9, WLIWFM. Getting a slightly Sufjan Stevens vibe from that. Piano is the uh, artist's name. P colon A-N-O. Track all of November, most of October from the record. When it's dark and it's summer. All right, and we it's dark and it is fall. I'm Gianna Volpe welcoming on our first guest this morning, sculptor Mel Kendrick, who has the first major survey of his uh, sculpture work. I think currently being installed at the parish. Is that right, Mel? Where are you in yes, uh, I'm, this adventure? I'm sitting, uh, can, you, can you hear me? I sure can. Uh, yes, I'm actually sitting in the back office of the parish for the phone call, but I'm right in the middle of installing the show. It's quite a project because it's taking over almost all the ground floor gallery space, and it also involves large pieces, which right. means they're riggers to drop them in. And then there's the final part. So I'm sort of getting to the final part, which is, in my mind, more moving things around and seeing how to accent certain things. Right, right. But, but this is, what, more than fi- more than 50 sculptures or more than 50 pieces because you also have sketches, right? <laughs> well, that, that's interesting. I had the show traveled from the Addison Gallery of American Art in Andover, Mass. And uh, the piece, yeah, I mean, at that point, it had like 90 sculptures, but that's because I had a large table of small sketches, I would call them, and I'm doing 
scale of the space here, I'm dropping that out and Got just it. focusing on the actual pieces. So the numbers are not that high anymore because that was about 20 pieces on a table. Got it. Got uh, it. But these are, I mean, I, I got the um, sort of like Beetlejuice-like desire to see your sculptures walk <laughs> when I when I looked at your work, uh, and I and I know you have uh, sort of uh, an interest in the 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 uh, relationship between representation and abstraction. Can you, so can you talk a little bit about about creating these pieces and and how that has uh, developed over time? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, some people do see movement in them, uh, and but the title of the show is Seeing Things in Things, and I'm very specific about things because you're not, you know, I'm not promoting the idea that you see or people or anything. It's, it's more a way of dealing with a, what I would say complete abstraction because people see something, you have to respond to something, and that's... Uh, sort of open to interpretations and many people want to see something make it you know related to something else in the world but the way the sculptures come about is purely I'd say self-referential in other words uh, all the materials in any given piece come from in this case that block of wood so if something is removed it's put back in a different way which gives a sort of internal uh, kind of not symmetry, but it's like a balance. Logic. Got it. Uh, got it. Yeah. A balance. A, yeah, a internal balance because you see a curve here and then you see it over there, but it's the mind picks it up. You don't have to put them back together. And uh, yeah, so that's been my way of working for quite a while. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, the show starts with a piece, the spidery piece in 1983. Uh, but then switches very quickly to the smaller freestanding work uh, that I'm always doing. And, uh, yeah, but it's all, all internal. It's not, not referencing anything in the world, which I know lets some people down, but uh, I find it very rewarding. Yeah, I'm not let down at all. And why the, why <laughs> the change? Why the change from the spidery-looking thing in the 80s? You talked about a quick change what would you credit with uh, the reason behind that change? <laughs> well, a lot of it is just, uh, you know, the mundane. Uh, I, I made this piece, and then my gallery at the time, John Weber Gallery, moved from its large space to a very small space, uh -huh. so I never showed it. So it's great to get a chance to show it now. But the real difference is the differences in planning. All the, these, more, we'll call them spidery pieces now, uh, they took planning. I had to make uh, like floor plans, uh, you know, straight line drawings to figure out the relationships. And when I started on the small pieces, I don't, didn't do any drawings. In fact, I don't do any drawings. So that I might draw on the, the wood and that turns up. The saw cuts, it's all, the drawing is within the piece. Uh -huh. So I do no sketching. I don't anticipate, but it's more a discovery as I go on. Yeah, does it feel more organic to you to do it in that way? Does it, excuse me? Feel more organic, feel the, more, pro the process. Yeah, yes, 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 definitely. Um, it's organic. It's uh, pretty immediate, and it uh, keeps me entertained. <laughs> right. Because 
you know, I don't really know what I'm going to see. And the way I work with uh, a saw or you know, various saws, uh, if I mark something out on one side, it maybe doesn't come out quite what I expect on the other side. So I'm always reacting. It's an action and a reaction. And were you uh, saying were you saying that that when you take away from one part you add to another part that that the the piece that you start with is also the piece that you end with um it, but obviously uh, uh changed around Yeah, yes, yes. That is true of all of them. In other words, uh I'm not going around the studio picking up interesting pieces of wood and making some sort of a combine. Uh, each piece is, uh, you know, self-referential. It uh, sort of makes itself. So so there's, in that sense, uh, there's no randomness. But when you look at one of these pieces, you are looking at uh, everything that was there to start with. And the blocks that I make are usually colored or marked in some way to create uh, clear interior and exterior, so you can follow it around the piece uh, when when you look at it. And in other times, I've used concrete. That is uh, that, that is just so beautiful. <laughs> that is so beautiful, Mel, and and uh, it's so satisfying in some way because you know uh, we're, we're we live in a world uh, of of waste, for for example, and to know that the, these. The piece uh, stays itself, even though it is changed around. I guess, you know, uh, like any person, you know, it's all it's all the same stuff. Although, you know, we do shed off skin cells and all the time, just like uh, I imagine that uh, your sculpt your sculptures do as yeah. as you as you grind them. But that it's still essentially the same block of wood. There's something so beautiful uh, about that, and. Um, that can certainly well, be applied it sounds, to it sounds when when one says it it sounds like uh you know how much can there be it sounds maybe uh but but there can be a lot and uh, i work uh primarily with wood because when i cut the wood it uh can't be put back together if it were steel you'd weld it back together and you know make it disappear but everything i do with these pieces uh are Leave least traces, traces of its history of how it was made, so that if I cut wood apart and I say I shouldn't have done that, then I glue it back together. But that's evident. It's sort of like really a way of drawing. Right. Uh, if you were to draw on paper and do a line, and then you were to erase that line, you never get rid of it. And that's kind of the uh, what what I like about the way of working. And you can uh, it's you immediate. can. Yeah, and and you can also uh, bring it right back to the metaphor of people. What they say about scars are are uh, one of the only ways we can have evidence that time has passed uh, on a person. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting stuff. I, I know you work. With no, no, that that's that's interesting, and and some of the pieces are you know propped up uh, if they don't sit right, and they have actually have had uh, steel legs. Uh, attached to them so that they can sit and stand on their own. And that almost gets the feeling of its prosthesis. It's sort of right. necessary to make it stand. So even though these are not figurative works, I think that there is, they've been through something. They've clearly been through something. Right. And uh, 
that's their survivors. <laughs> yeah, no one knows better than you. So, Mel, I know <laughs> they that— They survived me, I guess. Yes, you're right. So you work with rubber and concrete as well. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the difference in, in working with these works? I'm especially interested uh, in rubber because I, I, I know very little about uh, that process. <laughs> yeah, um, well, you know, they're all— you know, all extensions of something else I'm doing. You know, the uh, but the rubber pieces were came at a time when I was doing, I was casting. Uh, I was actually at that point I was casting some things in bronze, which I don't do now. But and I had the mold, and I would make use the rubber mold to make a sort of translucent amber-like rubbers. Uh, so I'd make the same piece in wood. Uh, I would then cast it in in uh, rubber this this architectural rubber that's very hard in the end and uh they're beautiful because the light comes through them and uh it almost refers to the liquid that's involved in in casting something see if you, if you cast in bronze bronze is a quarter inch thick so it's really a replication of the object or the wood grain or whatever but this gave translucence gave uh, you know another sense of volume but quickly the concrete was an extension I, when i was asked to do a piece for madison park uh, in new york city right right uh that i when they asked me they assumed i'd do wood but uh wood doesn't go very well outside no no I, I wasn't interested in that so i uh, developed a system of working with a uh, EPS foam, expanded polystyrene foam, these large blocks, and I would cut them, and I would basically make the pieces so I knew exactly what I was looking at, but then I would use the piece itself. They, they have a top and a bottom piece. I would use one part to as a mold for the other part, and vice versa, uh, and so then the, the EPS was destroyed. But So that, that set up a, an interesting sort of double reversal uh, you sort of forget where you are at a moment. But the final thing is, in that group of work, what is missing, or what means a lot in small pieces, is uh, the wood grain, because you can see it, and as I said, you cut it, it changes. But I cast these pieces in black and white concrete, and they were poured in layers, which was really cool. You just one layer totally black, one layer totally white, and layer would take a day, and then I'd have these black and white stripes coming through it, very much like wow, oh, <clears throat> the cathedral of Siena or something that marbled. I mean, people have right, you know, right. Been, been enamored of this for for quite a while. Uh, and this concrete was real, really dense, and it felt like stone. So it was a that was a great thing. Uh, and also, black and white stripes are kind of attention getting. <laughs> for sure. I mean, they were used before day glow for it's, prison it's uniforms. Like so the, I mean. The process itself is a piece of art. It's absolutely beautiful. All right, so we, I know that, that the show opens on the 6th, and it'll be open through February at the Parish Art Museum. But uh, I'm, like, transfixed here. I want to hear so much more from you, Mel. Will you have, will you be doing any artist talks, or, or should folks uh, come on the 6th? When is the reception? Uh, I, the... You know, all like all museums, there's a phased, phased opening. I believe it's open 
to the public on the 6th. And, you know, I haven't really thought much about it, but I, I could certainly come in. I, I, I love to talk to people about the work. And, uh, and the funny thing about that piece in Madison Park, so many people come through the park every day, and I'd see these guys in suits, you know, their coat over their shoulder, and, and one guy would be explaining to the others what's going on. <laughs> I thought that was great. Uh, I didn't have to say anything. So, I love it. Yeah, I, 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 yet to be arranged. I mean, I would like to do some artist talks or even there's talk of an interview uh, maybe with Nancy Prinzenthal, who wrote the main essay for the book, which I also recommend. It's a Rizzoli book that's about me, about this show, and uh, that's, uh, that's a good source of information. I'm looking uh, at I'm looking at so I'm on parishart.org because I wanted to make sure that's the right URL mm-hmm. to send people to stay tuned and find out uh, what's developing and I see your black and white concrete work right here on the website uh, so parishart.org stay stay tuned uh, for more seeing things in things opens uh, it looks like November fifth so people will be able to get a sneak peek at six p.m. I'm Gianna Volpe. That uh, is Mel Kendrick. Yeah, I, this is where I don't know what, what exactly is going no, on. No, I, uh, neither did I, because I saw that it was the 6th, <laughs> but I'm looking at the parish. Yeah. It's saying uh, mm-hmm. November 5 at 6 p.m. I trust the website. I'm Gianna Volpe. That's Mel <laughs> Kendrick. Uh, this is SIR, Sir, uh, Summer in November, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome, and you just heard the Hot Studio segment underwritten by Peconic Landing right here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Giving a shout out to Del Colum. I watched your film, Kin of Man, uh, last night on the YouTube. Great concept. Uh, you know, if you're looking for a spooky short to watch, it's about 30 minutes. Uh, made in connection with Bulldog Studios. Um, Brian Downey, who actually he and um, Bridget Leroy, and I'm not sure who else. Oh, David Falkowski of, um, you know, The Mushroom Man and also Open Minded Organics. It took me a minute to get there. They have a they have a new documentary out. Um, so I know that Brian was suggesting that I'm doing a double screening. That would be great. I'm Jana Volpe. This is Gorillas and Gil Goldstein. Run on sentence on deck after that, followed by Porter and the Blue Bonnet Rattlesnakes. You get a little bit of all of it here on the Heart of the East End. Music from all decades and genres and interviews with folks from all walks of life. All morning and midnight, long and Long Island's only local NPR radio station, all because of you, the listener, supporter of WLIWFM. We can be heard on the 88.3 section of your FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut. 96.9 if you've moved a bit up island, perhaps you're from central or western Suffolk County or across the sound in Connecticut. You can stream us online wherever you are at WLIW.org. Slash radio, stay tuned. Slow it down some, no split clown bum. Your gold hit sound dumb, hold it now, crown them. Where you found them at? Got around town, could have drowned in it, would have floated, bloated, voted, sugar coated, loaded, hip shooter. Draw for the poor, free coffee at the banks. Through the straw, none more for me, thanks. That blanks the roar, that dank short stank lit. Sank past the pit for more hardcore prank spit. Cranked it on blast, rolled past front street. Blew the whole spot like some old ass with skunk meat. These kids is too fast, juiced off a junk tree. Who could get looser off a crunk or a funk beat? Kick it wicked, lick a shot if you happy and you know it as you clap your hands to the thick snot of a poet flowing. Global pen and I'm in, co-hymen, dope or rhyming, more worth it than the whole diamond. Acquired off the black market, a wiretapping couldn't target a jar spit. The rapid fire spark lit, Zip. a rapper bug zapper, and it don't matter after if there's a thug or dapper. Plug your trap or it's maximum exposure. The beast got family members asking for closure.
Gail Goldstein on WLIWFM. November's child from his 2021 record, Pure as Rain. A shout out to Gil, who I believe is still here on the East End. He might have flown south, but we'll see. Leading you into the NPR news break with a run on sentence. This is November Nights. shines through it shines right through it shines right through With Long Island local news on November 1st, 2022, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLI-WFM. The Express Sessions panel discussion series will come to the clubhouse in Wainscott this coming Thursday, November 3rd, to tackle the conundrum of poor cell service coverage on the South Fork and explore what some of the options for uh, 
Fixing it may be. Zero Bar is seeking solutions to the South Fork's spotty cell service. We'll bring together experts in expanding cellular service and those who have struggled with the hurdles to doing so firsthand. As reported on 27East.com, the panel for Thursday's discussion will include experts in the field who navigate the hurdles of expanding cell service. Uh, Andrew Campanelli, an attorney who has helped municipalities draft cell service plans that comply with federal rules. John Huber, who has represented cellular companies on applications for new towers. Uh, Keith Keto, whose firm SBA Communications builds cellular infrastructure. East Hampton Town Supervisor Peter Van Skoyek and Sag Harbor Village Trustee Tom Gardella. The panel discussion will begin at 11 a.m. at the clubhouse at 174 Daniels Hole Road in Wainscott. A two-course lunch will be served and the panelists will answer questions from the audience. Attendance tickets are $35 for subscribers to 27East.com or the Express News Group newspapers. $45 for non-subscribers. You can email sessions at expressnewsgroup.com for more information or to reserve a seat. And looking at the election, seeing the parallels to his own stunning victory last year, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin was in New York yesterday to pass the baton to surging fellow Republican Lee Zeldin as polls show the Long Island congressman's campaign against Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul is nearly a toss-up. Quote, I'm here to pass the baton, uh, pass the baton to Lee Zeldin for him uh, to become your next governor. A fired up young Ken told about 500 Zeldin supporters in Mount Pleasant, New York. You all on November 8th are going to watch something happen. It's going to send a shockwave around the world, Youngkin added. Zach Williams in the New York Post reports that Youngkin beat former Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe last year with the help of trademark red vests, one of which he gave to Zeldin on Monday. Youngkin is among the growing number of big political names weighing in on the gubernatorial race in New York State, with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis appearing with Zeldin on Long Island this past weekend. With the race for governor of New York closer than expected, the two candidates yesterday put their strategies and proxies front and center. Of course, we just mentioned Representative Zeldin held a campaign rally with Governor Youngkin of Virginia and Governor Kathy Hochul appeared with a black, uh, pair of black and Latino Democratic lawmakers. For Hochul, the appearance underscored her need to stir up enthusiasm among black and Latino populations. She's eager to draw to the polls. Speaking at the Madison Square Boys and Girls Club in Harlem alongside representatives Jamal Bauman and Adriano Espayet, uh, Hochul focused heavily on gun control and public safety as she sought to address Zeldin's campaign emphasis on crime, which has helped him gain traction with voters. As anti-violence activists and parents who have lost children to gun violence stood nearby, the governor spoke about legislation she championed to help stop the flow of illegal firearms into New York. She accused Zeldin of failing to back up his rhetoric on public safety with a clear plan. She asserted that Zeldin supported plans that would help more guns come into the state, including arming school safety officers and possibly teachers with weapons, ideas she denounced as absurd and insanity. Don't come here today and tell us you've got a tough-on-crime plan that's just soft and squishy on guns, 
Local said some 20 miles to the north, Zeldin was with Governor Youngkin, addressing a cheering crowd of hundreds outside the American Legion in Thornwood, New York. His focus was on his anti-crime platform, and he repeated promises to roll back New York's bail laws and fire Manhattan's district attorney. Zeldin accused Hochul of ignoring a crime emergency in the state and urged voters in liberal New York to place their personal views above party identity. Recent polls have suggested Hochul seeking her first full term as governor is leading in the race, but support for Zeldin has grown, particularly as public safety has become a top concern for voters. Looking at the weather in Bridgehampton in honor of our next guest, Reverend Kimberly Quinn Johnson of UU Church of the South Fork, joining us at the bottom of the hour for the Tasty Tuesday segment, underwritten by Southampton Arts Center, to talk about ways that you can help the food insecure on the East End this weekend, looking like a 50% chance of showers um, that has ended, really. Uh, it's saying the 50% chance of showers and patchy fog before 10. Otherwise, we're looking at a mostly cloudy Monday with a high near 65 degrees. Southwest wind 5 to 7 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 53 degrees. Calm wind becoming northwest around 6 miles per hour after midnight. Right now, it's 60 degrees, and uh, we've got November songs we've been playing for you all morning. Uh, we led you into the NPR news break with run-on sentences November nights, uh, leading you out of it with uh, Porter and the Blue Bonnet, Rattlesnakes November Down, uh, from the 2017 record, Don't Go Baby, It's Gonna Get Weird Without You. And that's how I feel. <laughs> it's weird without you here on the 88.3 or 96.9 section of the FM dial, although you could be streaming us online at WLIW. Dot org slash radio, whatever way is fine with us. We're happy to have you. I'm Gianna Volpe. Uh, this is Porter and the Blue Bonnet Rattlesnakes. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Sometimes when we're half asleep, summer seems to slide by in the afternoon. Wake up cold as concrete, scared as hell, but you'll be headed south real soon. I think I Porter and the Blue Bonnet Rattlesnakes. We've got the Abbott Brothers, Zach Bryan, and Machine Gun Kelly on deck. I'm Jenna Volpe. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to the November edition at the heart here on WLIWFM. And if I weren't leaving, would I catch you dreaming? 
And if I weren't gonna be gone now, could I take you home? And if I told you I love you, would it change what you see? And if I was staying, would you stay with me? If I had money, would it all look good? And if I had a job now, like a good man should? And if I came to you tomorrow and said, let's run. Avid Brothers, 
followed by Zach Bryan. I've played him uh, quite a bit uh, in the last couple months. This is from his 2020 EP, Quiet Heavy Dreams, November Air, right here on November 1st of 2022 on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Stay tuned for Reverend Kimberly Quinn Johnson. You remember sitting in a rainy night in Williams' chair Telling me how well you used to dance Western wind will come again and make you feel like you did When all those cowboys didn't stand a chance You said this life took most of you And it gave you twice and the day was through You said it all turned out awfully fair So tell me tales of all times and all the seasons you got by Breathing in that cold November air no one was there No one was there No one was there Two kids by 23 And the sun sets you'll never see You were yelling supper from the yard And they grew old and sailed away Called you on phones from far away Wrote you novels on postcards and all you ever wanted was to see your children fly Maybe one day a pair of stars There ain't no leaving the small town this evening You can't even drive your own car To November air November air Through November How's it going? Was the weather fair last week? Hey, Ma, they were wonderful. All on the sides you'll never see. Hey, Ma, if I can hold you, I'll grab you by the arms, tell you what it means. You could take a worthless poor boy from the flats and make him mean something. Tell us what you wanted to And all we did, we needed you Your dreams were too small to care But I'm always reminded If you look hard, you'll find it Memory gives warmth to right here To November air To November air To November air How's it going? Was the weather fair last week? In my, they were wonderful. All on the sides you'll never see. In my, if I could hold you, I'd grab you by the arms, tell you what it means. You could take a worthless poor boy from the flats and make him mean something. Telling me how well you used to dance. The 
Western wind will come again and make you feel like you did when all those cowboys didn't stand a chance. Filing this next interview under Everything Happens for a Reason and this next guest as sister from another mister, as Reverend Kimberly Quinn Johnson, is certainly like me in that she makes lemonade out of all lemons that come her way. On Friday, I I, I messed up. I double booked the spot um, I was doing behind the headlines, and Reverend Quinn Johnson comes to the WLIWFM studio and comes uh, face-to-face with Michael Mackey, who is sort of the perfect person uh, from our team that she could have met. Uh, And then because uh, we had double booked the spot, proceeded to go about her day getting doing self-care stuff. And that is just perfect. Reverend Quinn Johnson, good morning. Thank you for being on with us. Good morning. It's my pleasure. So um, first of all, very excited. We'll start this by talking about HICO, uh, which is High Impact uh, Community Outreach Grants, right? Seven seven nonprofits were awarded grants this year. See Me, CAST, ITRY, the New York LGBT uh, Network, uh, SEPA Mayor, Sound Justice Initiative, and the Butterfly Effect Project. Seven fantastic uh, nonprofits. How was uh, the, the gathering for all of them at the UU Church last weekend? The gathering was awesome. So we were able to really start the morning with our worship service where we got to remind people of the way that this kind of work is grounded in our faith and our beliefs about um, worth and dignity and our connection to each other. But then we really got to experience that later um, with all of our guests, all of our grant recipients who got to share with us and with each other about the work that they're doing, the way that they are making change in our community, and also talk a little bit about the ways that um, their work connects to each other, which is a real joy of being able to put people in the room together to figure out more ways that we can start to or continue to work together and share our resources and find that synergy. I can only imagine how how rewarding that was for the people that were in the room, just knowing a bit about each of these organizations. It must have been a really uh, powerful presentation. It's beautiful. And so we see ways that we... Um, uh, working with and for women and with and for children and with immigrants and around language, uh, around food insecurity, how all of these issues are related. And um, sometimes we're really addressing the root causes and sometimes we're addressing people's immediate needs. And sometimes we're doing the things that in the future will start to um, you know, eradicate those root causes. It's really beautiful. So you mentioned uh, the food insecure, and I know that there's a great way that folks can help fight uh, local food insecurity at 9977 uh, Bridge Sag Turnpike this weekend. Am I right? Yes, yes. So this is the lemonade because uh, I was coming to talk about this high-impact grant program and to invite people to come 
and to meet some of our grant recipients who we hope are uh, our future partners. And so that event has happened. You can still support us. You can go to our website and find out ways to support us. But what's happening this weekend is an open house and fundraiser for our food pantry. This is one of the ways that our congregation is trying to make a difference and be a part of our community. We started this little food pantry a couple of years ago, um, a few months before the pandemic. It's sort of modeled after the idea of um, a sort of free book exchange and right, really right. modeled after we first saw this um, on the North Fork. That's right. Uh, in Greenport, they had a little food pantry. And so we built this uh, little box and we set it out um, near near the front of our the front of our property. So you don't have to come very far into the parking lot to find it. And the idea is that you take something, you leave something. People can give what they have to the food pantry and people can take what they need from the food pantry. You don't have to sign any paperwork. You don't have to demonstrate any need. You don't have to prostrate yourself in front of anybody. Um, you just take what you need. Um, you don't have to prove how you're using it. Um, and so on Saturday, we're having an open house and a fundraiser where people can uh, bring money or donations for the food pantry, but also, again, an opportunity for folks to have a little brunch, talk to uh, people who are sharing our building with us, talk to each other about um, what it means to be a neighbor in this community. It's a beautiful thing, and, and uh, shout out to Penelope Rudder, I believe is her name, who, who set up uh, the one I think you're mentioning on the North Fork. There's a few of them. And I have to say, as someone who uh, has seen these things, has seen them at work, they do work. Uh, this is something that uh, people don't quite even believe that it's a system that works, but it does. Uh, and it's and it's fantastic because there are people out there who are food insecure, but uh, are 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 fearful of of putting their their yeah. names or their information um, uh, to sign up. Uh, to receive or, you know, uh, might not have uh, time to wait to give. Uh, if you're you're giving, you you simply put put something in there. Um, and if you're you're receiving, you just take something out. It's a beautiful thing. And we're really excited to help in any way. It's UUCSF dot O-R-G. If you're looking for information about the UU Church and um Honored, honored to have you on the air as always, Reverend Quinn Johnson. Before I let you go, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure that folks know? Um, as far as the HICO grants, I mean, is this coming from the congregation? And how much was uh, were, were you able to share uh, with these organizations this year? Yes. Okay, I'll say two things. Uh, well, maybe three things. Uh, one. And so it's Jeff Johnson. Quinn is Got just it. a middle name, but Got I like it. it so. Got <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> so we were able to we were able to start this grant program, the high impact grant program, and continue it really through a very generous request of one of our members. Um, and so we were able to connect a hundred thousand dollars, and then with the, and so we had never done anything like this before. And once we started to see the success. 
our congregation was able to commit another $100,000. And so um, it's funded enough, we think, for a couple more grant cycles. So far in the three years that we've been doing it, we have been able to give away $116,000. Right now, it's entirely funded through the congregation, and we really want to be able to continue this, and we know that we won't be able to continue it at this level forever. And so we really do welcome financial contributions of people who want to support this work, who want to see their money making an impact in the community. We call it a high-impact community outreach because it's a way for our small amount of money, I mean, relatively speaking, we feel like it's a small amount of money to make a high impact. We give to small organizations who are not being funded or not getting a lot of funding in other places who maybe don't have the experience to do more traditional kinds of grants. And they, in turn, are making a very high impact in their communities and in our community. So it's a way for a little bit of money to go to a place where people ordinarily would not be getting it and to really, really make an immediate and direct impact in our community. Beautifully And so we want other people who, you know, you don't have a ton, but you have some and you want to give, help us (laughs) give this money out. In our community. So for those out there considering UUCSF.org, I'm Jenna Volpe. That's Reverend Kimberly Johnson. Uh, this was the Tasty Tuesday segment underwritten by Southampton Arts Center. And I just wanted to echo uh, you just by by just reminding folks who those high impact community outreach grants benefited this year. Uh, we're talking about the Children's Museum of the East End, who did an amazing amount of uh, um, work as far as feeding the food insecure through the pandemic. Uh, Cast, of course, uh, Community Action, South Old Town, although they have a new name, Center of Advocacy uh, Support and Transformation, I think. Uh, I try, which uh, if you don't know, about them. They uh, provide training and and whatever is needed to local girls uh, during a critical time uh, in their development, teaching them how they can not only uh, participate in triathlons, but build friendships, um, be uh, persevere in, in the face of adversity. The New York uh, LGBT network uh, goes without saying that they uh, support uh, people in um, marginalized community. Uh, Sepa Mayer also goes without saying. The Sound Justice Initiative and the Butterfly Effect Project, another great support organization for young women, seven fantastic area nonprofits that the UU Church has helped to support with their high-impact community outreach grants. Um, we'll play a little music now. We've got Kari and Billy. It's November, and it sure is. I'm Gianna Volpe, and thanking Reverend Johnson for joining us again here on the Heart of the East End during our Tasty Tuesday segment underwritten by Southampton Arts Center. Stay tuned.
Hikari and Billy. We've got Shuggy Otis and Mark Lotito on deck. But first, Machine Gun Kelly last November from the Main Street sellout Life in Pink Deluxe 2022 record. Ken Vino on deck after Shuggy Otis and Mark Lotito. You didn't wake up today. Here on WLIWFM. I didn't get to see your face. Was it my fault? Was it karma? Was your fate in the hands of my conscience? Cause you didn't wake up today. Yeah. So sad we ended up here. So sad, but everything's clear. Could I save your life if I press rewind? I wish I could go back to November last. Could I save your life if I press rewind? I wish I could come back to November last year When it was still so beautiful It was so damn beautiful It was so damn beautiful
Shuggy Otis and Mark Lotito. Ken Vino on deck, November from his racing through life, rushing towards desires, sitting on the couch record, and then a favorite November track of mine from Azure Ray's November EP. We'll be hopping over Max Richter and the BBC Philharmonic Orchestra and Ruman Gumba, as well as Sleeping with Sirens to play the wilderness of Mantoba's November track. I remember the piercing in her eyes cold as November. Here on the November edition the of The Heart. WLIWFM. At least the flames still lit, or so I thought. If you're missing out on those Max Richter, BBC Philharmonic, Roman Gamba, and Sleeping with Sirens songs, should you run outside naked asking who is there to blame? I wouldn't question all your actions if you acted like you gave a damn about my satisfaction just once in a while. You can always find today's playlist on the WLIWFM website, including the secret tracks. The Heart of the East End program page on WLIW.org slash radio. Lighter days can soon begin 
Sending that one out to an old friend, Evan Exempt. I remember playing that track when I was in college and him loving it. Uh, he is no longer with us, um, so rest in love, Evan. I'm Jenna Volpe, hopping over two November tracks. You can find them on today's playlist on the Heart of the East End program page on WLIW.org slash radio. Uh, we do have texts on Baykay. So if it's not up today, uh, it will be at some point this November. This is the November edition of The Heart. I've got the Wilderness of Manitoba, and then I'll lead you into the NPR news break with Guns N' Roses' November Rain. Pretty appropriate for this day. Uh, This one uh, is called November from the Wilderness of Manitoba's 2010 record, When You Left the Fire. I'm Gianna Volpe. Deep bow to both of, of my guests this morning. Uh, Mel Kendrick and Reverend Kimberly Johnson, as well as our underwriters, Peconic Landing and Southampton Arts Center, as well as all of you out there, the listeners, supporters of Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Just a bird. 
She is waiting by the Gorgeous, huh? The Wilderness of Manitoba, November, leading into the NPR news break with Guns N' Roses, November Rain. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM, Long Island's only local NPR radio station. <laughs> <laughs> 